0: Welcome to episode six of In the Middle, the podcast from Hopkinson Middle School. My name is Alan Keller. I'm principal here at HMS. Thank you for joining us. Episode six is we typically have kind of structured a couple different interviews uh, over the course of each of the episodes. This episode, uh, we're just focusing on one person and one program, and that is Nature's Classroom. As you may be aware, our sixth graders attend Nature's Classroom, and that trip is coming up. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to hear a little bit from the people who know Nature's Classroom uh, best, and that is uh, the Nature's Classroom folks. So you're gonna hear today uh, from Executive Director of Nature's Classroom, John Santos. Here at Hopkinson Middle School, we've been going to Nature's Classroom since I've been here and long before, I think this is our 25th year, as so you'll hear me try and cite that number to John in as part of the interview. Uh, it's an outstanding program. Uh, it's dependent upon um, tremendous amount of work in terms of our teachers, putting together groups, field groups, lunch groups, where we give kids an opportunity to be with, uh, other, with friends that they've established in the class, uh, but also an opportunity to get to know some other kids that they don't necessarily know. And we find every single year that friendships are formed at Nature's Classroom that weren't quite there before. Um, and maybe even more important than that, uh, an opportunity to see other kids in a different light that, that they weren't previously seen in. Uh, I know when I was in Foxborough prior to coming here, we went to a ropes course, and I had the opportunity to see kids um, take a leadership role in that setting, and nature's classroom is even better than that, in that we're having an opportunity to be there uh, overnight and multiple days, and really just an opportunity to see different strengths and connect with nature. You know, John, uh, in the interview you'll hear, he talks a lot about environmental education and the understanding of relationships and how important people are as part of that, so Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I hope you find this uh, interview with John Santos to be enlightening and share a little bit more about the history of Nature's Classroom, where it came from, but also information about um, what your child will experience. Welcome, John. I believe you're one of the original founders of Nature's Classroom, right?
1: Yes, but I really don't want to take credit because I was a fifth grade teacher sixth grade teacher had been previously taking our kids from Hardwick, Massachusetts, down to the Cape, and typically they needed additional staffing. Uh, We did the whole program ourselves. I volunteered, and for two years I did that. Um, I was lucky enough to be funded for one year, and uh, I pretty much made the observation at that point. We couldn't get it off and running until the springtime because just we didn't have the ability to get you know uh, it off and running earlier when we're doing our own program but from that point on i started nature's classroom we've been hiring good quality staff and we take care of the programming morning afternoon and evening giving you and your teachers credit for what they bring back to bear on the classroom because that's the overnight supervision uh, and it's a very important
0: part of the whole pie. Oh, it certainly is. And so, uh, well, thank you so much for, for joining us. I, it's always a pleasure to um, be preparing to go to Nature's Classroom. I This is my 10th year at Hopkins Middle School. And if I've got my numbers correct, uh, I believe this is going to be our 26th year um, going to Nature's Classroom. Huh. Good possibility, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> my understanding is you've been doing this for over 40 years, is that correct, John? I think it's 48, yeah. Oh, 48, no kidding. <laughs> All right, so you mentioned you were a fifth grade teacher, is that right? Yes. And what were you teaching at that time? Uh, we were starting
1: to do the discipline. So I was doing the um, math and the social science, and the other colleague of mine was doing the language arts and the um,
0: science. I see. Yeah. And... I'm going to make an assumption, but uh, please tell me if that's not accurate, that um, the outdoors and experiential learning was was a big part of your background?
1: No, it wasn't.
0: Oh, interesting. I
1: did did Boy Scouts when I was a kid. Um, I was hired by this fellow who owned a a facility, uh, Camp Kenwood Evergreen, up in Potter Place, New Hampshire, Um, and he basically had winterized his summer camp and wanted to have something being done Monday through Friday. So he hired me, um, never really got in my way. And I was able to have the sheer joy of developing the f- format that we're still running at this day and age.
0: So that's really interesting. That's, that's amazing. And, and that's one of the things. So how many, so the first year that you did this, so 48 years ago, right? Yeah. Um, how many students were there? Um, was it just one school? What did that look oh, like? No, no.
1: Okay. Uh, first year we had four schools. Um, uh, Bourne, Massachusetts, still with us. Um, Weston was the biggest school that we handled that year. Um, and I think Sudbury, and Sudbury's also still with us. Um, I can't remember the fourth school. Mm. Uh, but it was pretty exciting. What happened is that I was working with young adults and um, we kind of banged away for about two years uh, with this whole concept environmental education is defined 1970s as an understanding of relationships of a life support system and i always add people are an integral part of that system and i think we we kind of did nature because we chose the term nature's classroom, and we tried to get kids out for the whole day, and it just wasn't working. Uh, Then I came into the mix and said, you know, kids love being out with us. They kind of understand being away from the classroom, and it's a fantastic ability to motivate children to want to learn into their future, and I think that's how we ended up with the special interests which are an integral part of the Nature's Classroom format today. Mm. There are two afternoon classes where kids choose um, you as the school directors as to what offer the children. But I think that freedom to choose uh, a bridge, you know, and, and that's a, a fun activity to do. But if you can excite a young person to want to become an engineer, that's a fantastic goal.
0: Absolutely. You know, our students, when I go to high school graduation, um, inevitably, there's always a, a reference to nature's classroom. And that's one of those experiences that when I talk to former students or when I talk to adults who have experienced it, it's something that, that they always remember and they always seem to go back to. And so I think the, just to, to know how powerful that is must be very rewarding and satisfying. Oh, personally, very. I mean, I've been on planes where people have said, oh, you
1: run Nature's Classroom. I went there 40 years ago. And um, and our teaching staff represents about 20% that had been with us as kids.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, so you started talking a little bit about the special interest classes. So um, so for parents who have whose children have yet to experience Nature's Classroom, uh, do you mind talking a little bit about um, field groups versus special interest classes and the night activities. I mean, essentially mm-hmm. just kind of, if you could kind of lay out the, the typical day.
1: Well, the typical day, of course, starts at breakfast. And one of the things about all of our meals is they're, uh, family style, uh, young people and parents kind of appreciate this when their children come home and offer to help with dishes and things of that nature. Um, they don't prepare food, but helping, serving the food, um, times are an important part. It's getting the kids to understand how they become a community. Um, the morning segment starts at 9.30 for two hours out in the field. Our field experience is trying to get young people to understand how much they have the ability to understand relationship by simply observing and making some hypothesis and following up as does it make sense. Um, And I do remember one time a child asked me, uh, answer the question, uh, why is this tree here? And um, a young person said, God made it. Uh, I, being (laughs) somewhat on top of it, said, okay, and moved on. But I think that's an important observation um, of the totality. And it's the totality of the environment that we are really emphasizing how we're not going to be disconnected We have many issues in the environment. We're not politicizing by any stretch Mm -hmm. of the imagination, but it does open kids up to their ability to investigate and come to conclusion. The interesting part about the field experience and the reason why we ask you to put the 1 to 12 ratio together is there's uniqueness that you know about children. And by doing that, then we can continue to evolve the relationship that is a part of their uh, coming back in the classroom as a team. Uh, that team element works out really well in the field. And also we do a few things which are more formalized uh, adventure ex- uh, aspects, not high ropes. Right, right, right. Uh, yes, but the, we work low rope stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we work those into the, the morning segment. Um, and the afternoon segment, as I say, is um, unlike the morning where it's, makes sense to um, have children um, formatted into that. Mm-hmm. The afternoon, we have some 500 activities. It's your teachers that kind of guide us as to which activities work out well to match with your curricula. Uh, and then we offer it, as you have seen, um, quickly at lunchtime, and then the children will sign up. Uh, and the choices between building a bridge and a geodesic dome, it's minor.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I don't particularly think that it's so important that every single child builds a bridge. But I think as far as um, putting a hot air balloon in the sky, forecasting weather, uh, dissecting, which we still do um, with the understanding that's an uh, ultimate question that a parent needs to be comfortable with. Uh, but these are all things that are fun to do with that very serious future. You've got a great school system, and you've got nice parents, but these kids have to start thinking for themselves. And I think that's one reason why we really do work well with the fifth, sixth, seventh grade level. These are the kids that are starting to make decisions for themselves.
0: I agree. I think that it's interesting. I had a conversation with somebody recently about uh, grade level. and I think they their school had previously done eighth grade, um, which I, I certainly think is, a is you know, obviously you kn- would know this better than I, but I feel like that sixth, seventh grade uh, is, is, is really ideal. We start to see, um, you know, some of the students start to change in different ways and having worked in a middle school. Um, but speaking of change, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear how, um, how difficult or how much change uh, you've had to take on over the years. So having done this now 48 years, I mean, in my, whatever, 15 years in education, uh, I've seen how much kids have changed, some of which has been brought about by technology uh, mm. and, other, and other forms. And so mm. has that been difficult to um, no. kind of stay true to? Yeah, Change is inevitable. I think change is uh, a matter of
1: making some judgment as to what's really, really valuable and worth fighting for versus what is evolutionary and is going to continue to change. Um, I have um, one of the best feathers in my cap is that Sargent Center used to be a great competitor of ours, but Boston University pulled the plug and said, we can't do this anymore, and they gave us the whole shebang. Mm. So we have the complete responsibility of running Sergeant um, Food Maintenance and Programming. We've also watched uh, one of our very nice competitors, Stone Environmental, goes back before me. And Wally Stone was the icon of this New England area. Um, and they pulled the plug just this past year. Mm. I don't think we have had as much of a impact negatively because our numbers are still quite good. Uh, because we have always emphasized... This is a good, solid program for an individual child and their parent with the support of schools to make as a decision. Mm -hmm. We have not ever taken public monies. I know some of our schools have used public monies, but my attitude is it's a choice. And if you make that choice at the lowest common denominator, I shouldn't say lowest, but it's important denominator, that's the parent and child. Um, No, your numbers have continued to be the same to a great extent. Poverty, uh, which I also say is a difference between priority, Uh, poverty has not been an issue. Um, It's been dealt with locally. But I think what has happened is that there is so an attitude that you, the school, is – Spending over backwards when it really is a priority judgment. Parents are not spending money. They're choosing to spend their money at McDonald's and Walmart and so on and so forth. That's the freedom of choice in this country. Right. And I think I've always hammered on that as an element. Because when you think about it, dollar for dollar, how else can you spend money as efficiently as what we charge you for food lodging and programming? Absolutely. and also your people from your community because we're priced about 40 50% as compared to a summer program. Mm-hmm. So you really need to take credit because your staff have done an awful lot as far as uh, you know overnight supervision and giving our teaching staff some breathing space during the day. Right.
0: Well, it's it's you know one of the things that keeps us coming back, I mean, I, um, you know, I feel strongly about technology and even though I'm, uh, I would consider myself a, an avid user of technology. Um, I do try and limit, uh, what I do at home and, and what my child does. And I, I know that's a, a challenge for a lot of parents and my child's not in middle school yet. And so I'm sure that battle will only, uh, get, get tougher, but you know what I see when the kids come back and the impact, you know, you talked about the family style dinners and, mm-hmm. What we hear from parents about you know my child is helping out and and those kinds of things are so valuable and i feel like our our, you know i don't know i not to be an alarmist i guess or pessimistic but i feel like those things are uh, we're seeing a lot less of that um that that community and i think that's such such an important thing we see the kids come back that uh you know this year we're going in mid-november typically we've we've done the mid-october and that's a whole other issue Uh, that you were really flexible with us about, but, um, you know, I think um, we see kids in a certain light in terms of their academics and performing on, you know, English, math, science, or social studies, and there are certain kids that don't have an opportunity to shine in the academic classroom, but in that setting, um, we see a, a totally different kid, and it actually, it has quite an impact on Uh, peers as well as educators, to see that this kid's got some... If if we channel this energy in a a certain way, this kid really can have opportunities to shine in the classroom.
1: And it is something that's extremely valuable, a great statement you made, but it's the more total child you get to see because the parents get to see them at home, you get to see them at school, but when you come to a nature's classroom, you get more of the totality. It is frustrating for you who are putting more energy in and the parents don't necessarily see that um short-term energy a whole week with us but when they do come home um yeah they're they're expanded
0: no uh, question no doubt about it there's no there's no there's yeah. no question and, and that's something that we've really tried to communicate because we'll we'll see over the years we have we've had um children who are anxious about going or parents who are anxious about going children who haven't um, slept over some, you know, at at another person's house. And we always try and encourage uh, parents to try and have that experience prior to nature's classroom to try and ease some of that anxiety. And, um, I, I I can't, I can't off the top of my head name a child that was anxious or nervous about going, that went, that came back and said, I wish I hadn't done that. And that, that speaks volumes to your teachers, which is the next topic I want to get into. Um, the teachers, I have to imagine you have, and we actually, I, I think you're probably aware, but one of the Nature's Classroom teacher currently works in our school district, uh, Mrs. Mary Frances Kirschenbaum, um, who has nothing but remarkable things to say about her time at Nature's Classroom, and I can see that in her teaching. She brings a lot of that energy and um, strategies to her teaching. Where do you find your teachers? Um,
1: their bachelor and master's level. Uh, I think we have about less than 10% that have less than a bachelor degree. They're not necessarily certified to teach, and I have to say, to a certain extent, it sounds negative, but when I hire a bachelor in biology, I get a quality instructor who has not spent 18 hours learning the technique of teaching. Mm. Now, I've had an awful lot of um, our instructors that have gone on to teaching. In fact, I get solicited almost yearly to (laughs) fill a vacancy. Uh, But if you consider, these are young adults, Uh, they like kids. They're with kids morning, afternoon, evening. After three months, I think they're almost close to a master level of the art of teaching. Mm. And I would say the diversity that we're also able to have, because we can hire an English uh, graduate, as well as uh, various sciences and the math um, arena. Um, a few of our staff have really loved teaching, get terribly frustrated, and they do go on to get their master's in education and go on to teach.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, so You earlier you mentioned the the 1 to 12 ratio, um, and so we spend a lot of time, as I'm sure you know, um, putting together, um, those, those groups and, and building those students and, uh, building those student groups, that is, and, um, the first time I went to Nature's Classroom, I was so amazed at the level of detail that goes into planning the trip, both on the school end, but then yeah. on the communicating and the meetings that we have with the Nature's Classroom teachers, uh, with the coordinator um, that you have um, on, is that the right word, coordinator? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, who essentially is the principal of, of the Nature's Classroom site. And um, it's, it's, it's remarkable. And I think that, I think that's where some of the anxiety from parents and even from teachers comes in is like, what is this going to be like? Is my kid just being, you know, running wild and nobody knows about the, some of the issues that he or she has. And, and um, we share a lot of information. Obviously all of that is, you know, is stuff that we share with teachers and therefore as as confidential, yeah, as an extension of the, of the school uh, we share with the nature's classroom teachers so that they are prepared to work with our students. But, you know, some of, some of, that planning and and the work that you do with your teachers to prepare them to help them you know I, I see tremendous relationships develop in such a short amount of time between our students and the nature's classroom teachers that you know on the ride home there's been countless kids who are weeping uh, as they're leaving their the teacher that they've been with uh, all week or uh, the the um coordinator of the site and again that's I, i'd be curious to know if if you um, we'll share that like some of what some of the prep work is that you do with those natures classroom teachers
1: well our our prep is in reference to hiring uh at the end of our um, uh, application it clearly says what the job is all about and as i go forward and say can you be happy Working with children 24 hours a day, they don't. But I, I would absolutely say people who say they can love children to that extent. Um, and, and kids are fantastic. You just have to get used to the their pitch in voice and the fact that they have to try to talk on, on, on a, a regular basis. Uh, not all the kids can talk at the same time. But I think our teaching staff are very You know, open to um, that kind of, um, you know, uh, not misbehaving, but openness of behavior. Right. Uh, I think that's a key element. And they do, you know, they don't look like teachers. They're out in the field with kids and looking more like kids in their dress. Um, But it is a short term. I mean, I have to say, uh, we have the lap of luxury. We have the kids for five days. You have them for 180 days.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. A little bit
1: harder. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as far as parents are concerned, we um, we do go out and talk to your parents ahead of time yeah. if they show up. But the other thing is that we also mention if they're a bit apprehensive, they can actually come and see the property. We don't do tours, but they can see the property even on a weekend. We have the properties opening to you know other groups, um, but after school and Oftentimes, having a young person come and see where they're going to sleep is kind of helpful in that
0: apprehension. Absolutely. That's great. And then we do that at school as well. So when they're coming into sixth grade, we have an opportunity to with some of those students. So that's awesome that that's an opportunity. Uh, and speaking of which, so as you know, this year, so we for the last, I think, probably five years, John, uh, yep. we've been coming to Charlton. Uh, yep. This year, because of Tripoli, e, uh, we contacted you and spoke to Rich and KT, and yeah, and so yep. we're switching over to Colebrook and where we used to go for many, many years. And I and I personally love Colebrook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a great site. I wish it were a little bit closer, uh, that which is one of the reasons why we switched to Charlton. But we're looking forward to uh, to heading down to Colebrook in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful
0: site. It is. You um, get the overlook of the pond. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it it worked well for, I mean, as you know, we're one, I think we're one of your larger schools, Um, so we have over 300 students in the sixth grade, and so I think that will work well for our group. Um, But I wanted to thank you for your flexibility uh, with that, and I certainly want to thank you for your time here today and and sharing with um, our audience a little bit of the the history of Nature's Classroom and, and how you're going to work with our students.
1: Well, it's been a joy. I always like to explain Nature's Classroom to groups.
0: I still love it to death. That, that's very clear to me, and there's a lot to love. So I appreciate your time, John. All right. You take care. All right. You too. For those of you who have sixth grade children, I hope you found that interview beneficial uh, and understand a little bit more about Nature's Classroom. So when they come back from Nature's Classroom, you'll have the opportunity to talk to them about Waitrons, uh, about Oort uh, all kinds of things. And we'll share that stuff with you. But Nature's Classroom is a great experience, and I hope your child has a wonderful time there. So that wraps up episode six of In the Middle. And now for something new, the HMS TV crew is joining me in creating this podcast. I will continue to produce my episode at the beginning of each month, and they will produce an episode that will come out in the middle of each month. I'm excited to welcome them to the team. I look forward to hearing your feedback on all of our episodes. So for In the Middle, I'm Alan Keller. Thank you so much for joining us this month.